Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Evil always dresses itself up as something good. And so they forced people to do things to keep them safe that were actually harming them. Like masks, like lockdowns, like the isolating people in the in the old age homes, like the COVID shot. Just unbelievable lies. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. We have an incredible guest today, Dr. Charles Hoff. Um, and he has become just a hero in our hearts and many of you as I've traveled across the country, wherever I go, uh, and I mention the name of Dr. Charles Hoff, there is a round of applause and appreciation for how this gentleman has stood for us. We're gonna be talking about some world events and before we move on, you know that I love to read from my dad's Bible every day. It gives me inspiration. It, it helps me to understand um, what is, um, what's going on in the world and what my positioning must be in light of very, very bad people and bad circumstances. So I opened it up uh, to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is considered the faith chapter. And my dad has circled now faith, okay, in chapter 11. And then he has like so much underlined, but he's kind of extra underlined verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Wow. Wow. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. All of that in a nutshell said, he did not walk in the fear of man, but in the fear of God. Moses was an example to us of somebody raised in Egypt, raised in in Babylon, basically, and he forsook all of that so that he would honor God, so that he would follow God's purposes. We're at that epic time, and um, I, I want to read to you quickly from a book wonderful senior producer Gary got me, Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas, and we've had Eric on the show before. He's absolutely incredible, and he's kind of said a few things about what we're going through in our world. Um, it says this, um, whether we understand these parallels or not, I'm going to, I'm kind of condensing from his first paragraph, uh, and thereby avoid the fatal mistakes the German church made during that time and their superlatively catastrophic results. If we do not, I'm convinced we will heap a whirlwind of greater even than the one they did. The German church of the 1930s was silent in the face of evil. But can there be any question whether the American church of our own time is guilty of the same silence? I think it is. Silence has just allowed so much evil to continue. Because of this, I am compelled to speak out and to say what only by God's grace I might say to make plain where we find ourselves at this moment at our own unavoidably crucial crossroads in history. And I, I just think that that is so true. Like I have mentioned on this show that it, it's been very upsetting to me that in the face of transgenderism, we've been silent. In the face of um, seeing the woke culture rise in the face of, you know, not wanting to be called all kinds of names and phobe of something. You're a phobe. Um, in, the, in the face of that, we have crumbled to the approval of man and not stood to gain the approval of God. And so it's been something, really, really something to watch that. Um, just before... Recently, um, in the Netherlands, the populist anti-immigration PVV, led by Geert Wilders, won the election in a landslide. Now, Geert Wilders, so what we've come to know, so look Wilders. at Wilders. Wilders. Okay, I'm saying it wrong. Um, my JT always gives me the, the right way to think and see things. Um, and we're in agreement, you know, usually 100%. Um, 
on, on issues of the world. But here's this guy. So JT, you were telling me that like this guy wins. He was, he was kicked out of the UK. Yeah. Put, put your, put your audio on just for a second. Cause you followed this. He what? So he had a movie in 2009 about the Quran being fascist. And because of that, the United Kingdom wouldn't allow him into the country. Right. He was just, he was an MP maybe then or something, but he was not a leader of the government. Can but you all hear that? Can you hear him saying that? Yeah. So he, he was considered, I guess, an Islamophobe or something. And he... Uh, probably that's what they would call probably him. Probably that's what they would call him. And he had some things and he was talking about immigration and, and he wanted some protections in place. He you wants know, to get out of the EU. Wants to get out of the EU. Yeah. So there could be some big earthquakes happening in Holland in the Netherlands in the next year, I would say. Mm. Big changes coming. Big changes coming. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and I hope they are. Real quick, because we're dealing with a doctor from British Columbia, um, we did recently see Bonnie Henry um, basically, you know, getting all kind of strange regarding uh, her life. Anyways, let's, let's just watch it. Take a look. Dr. Bonnie Henry, one of Canada's most trusted leaders, revealing disturbing details of what she's been dealing with behind the scenes of the pandemic. I've had to have security in my house. Um, I've had death threats. You know, how do we deal with that? BC's chief provincial health officer, calm as always, as she described the abuse and harassment while on a panel discussion at the annual convention of the Union of BC Municipalities. There are many people who don't like what I do or don't like the way I say it or don't like my shoes or don't like um, and I don't feel like and feel quite um, able to send me uh, nasty notes, to uh, leave phone calls, to harass my office staff. Victoria Police not commenting Tuesday night on whether it is investigating the death threats. Really disappointed to hear that, but to be honest, I wasn't surprised. Vancouver City Councillor Sarah Kirby-Young also harassed. I have had um, suggestions of harm to my family. I've had some things that have made me worry about safety and made me really think about, you know, where do I park my car? How do I walk to my car? Being glad that my home phone number is unlisted. Women in high profile positions, targets, says Kirby Young. I do see a lot of attacking of, of women um, and of female leaders, and I don't know if that's because people think that it's easier to do that or it's somehow more acceptable. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, again, people could just debate the issues and could criticize the policies. I sense that people find that it's, uh, it's okay to do that for a woman who's up front, more so than um, some of our male leaders, but I could be wrong. Uh, maybe it is that we just don't talk about it. Romina Dea, Global News. Okay, so here's the deal, uh, Bonnie Henry, is we're not mad at you because of your shoes. We're not mad at you because... Um, you know, you're a woman. No, we're mad. We're upset. I can't speak to you getting uh, death threats. Uh, that shouldn't happen to anyone. I've had them. <laughs> it's like goes with the territory these days for some reason. But no one's investigating looks like because they're not really all that credible, are they? No, nah, no one's going to kill you. Um, what the what the problem is, is that you have ignored science You've ignored doctors. You've ignored repeated information sent to you by all those people that call and email, trying to give you the facts on the vaccines. And you basically have plowed ahead. You've wanted kids vaccinated. Doesn't matter what Dr. Mackis has brought forward. Doesn't matter what Dr. Charles Hoff brought forward. And it didn't seem to matter about what Dr. Byron Bridal had to say. Let's take a look at this video where Dr. Byron Bridal speaks directly to this. This one, I've been fact-checked lots. So this is definitely a liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> okay, because this is, I mean, I didn't realize this until I came to British Columbia because I honestly have never heard this term before applied to the COVID vaccines. But apparently in British Columbia, guess what? They're safe and highly effective. It's almost, it was about, like, about the first time I've ever heard that, right? So where's the science doctor, uh, Dr. Henry, I would say, for that? Now this, 
Vax the vaccines available in British Columbia provide protection against infection. That's like what Dr. Muller was saying. So I, I don't even feel like I even have to show the science here. How many people know? Like, I'm amazed that Dr. Bonnie Henry does not know this because the vast majority of health professionals across the entire world don't even, um, they don't even dispute this anymore. Do the vaccines prevent, or they, do they protect against infection? No, they were never designed for that. It's unbelievable. Dr. Bonnie Henry, you must be one of the only people on the planet who hasn't caught up with this science. Seriously. <laughs> right? And they're highly, okay, now, okay. <laughs> this is where, honestly, I had to shut down my common sense because I got so confused. <laughs> and you will too. I'm going to bring back the comment that I showed on an earlier slide. I'm serious. You have to read this. This is what your medical officer of health has put out. This is why your health professionals can't work. Okay? Look at this. These vaccines they have in British Columbia provide protection against not only infection, but of course, all the stuff we've been hearing about as well. They're also highly effective in protecting against severe illness, hospitalization, intensive care unit admission, and death. And what does this say? Across all eligible age groups. So I just, I just want to ask you, because I'm not sure that I understand what all means in British Columbia, because I, I, I thought I missed something here. Can I ask you just for a moment? Are pe okay, if it's all eligible groups, are people over 70 years of age in Alberta, or sorry, in British Columbia uh, authorized to get these vaccines? You're saying yes, okay. So I'm really getting confused. All right, are people with chronic health conditions in British Columbia authorized to get these vaccines? Okay, I'm doubly confused. Are people who have compromised immune systems uh, allowed to get these vaccines? So it seems like they are in this, the all eligible age groups, which is what I thought. But she just told these people who are all in these eligible age groups that the vaccines fail miserably in protecting them against, what does it say here? Against severe illness, right? Severe illness, hospitalization, hospitalization, ICU admission, ICU admission, and death. So do you see the confusion here? <laughs> I love Dr. Byron Bridal. So he delivered that speech right here in British Columbia uh, to a, a group of about 400 people that had come to see him, Dr. Brian Artis, different ones speaking, uh, Dr. William Mackis, Dr. Paul Alexander were there, and, um, and they, they all uh, shared similar sent sentiments because Dr. Bonnie Henry had just put out this thing saying, oh, they're safe and effective, but oh, by the way, like at the end of the thing, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's not good. So all of the messaging has just been crazy. It doesn't seem to matter what kind of proof is shown. And the problem is, is that that is in, in all the places in the world that they still seem to be unwilling or maybe maybe absolutely um, somehow compromised so that they are promoting something that is pure evil that shouldn't be promoted. I don't know. All I can say is something's very wrong with excess deaths up across the world. And don't forget this little ditty from Bonnie Henry regarding her hypocritical stand on mask policies. Take a look. Irritating and people are more likely to touch their face um, when they have a mask on and that can be a way of inoculating yourself. If I'm not sick, it's not effective. It's not something that when I'm out in public it's going to protect me in any way. We don't want people wearing it all day long, for example. We cannot rely Just on children. a mask because the mask is not what keeps us safe and masks for long periods of time are not recommended by anybody um, in any situation. We're not wearing masks now. Would we be safer right now if we had masks on? Uh, no, you see these are the things that we have learned. I've always supported wearing masks. I've never said don't wear them. I've always said wear them where it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, where it's appropriate, which is really never. Uh, it never worked, it never helped. So. In any case, uh, one of the things that is going on is that um, the, the continued fear-mongering that's going on across the world about certain things. But it's not only that. It's new developments. It's, it's the wars and the rumors of wars. It's the 
incredible stress, and I would say post-traumatic stress disorder that many of us have felt we've been put under. Why? Because the world's gone mad, and it's really hard to understand all of the, the hatred that we're seeing on our streets, the rise in anti-Semitism, and the attacks that are basically coming against those, continuing against those who stand up for truth. So one of the truth tellers that I dearly love is Dr. Charles Hoff, and he's not only a doctor and very experienced and educated and, and understands, you know, medicine and understood the fraud that we were under, but he is also truly an esteemed person of wisdom. And so I'd just like to invite you on, Dr. Charles. Thank you for waiting in the background there. I appreciate you so much. Um, thank you for joining us. I know that your life is busy, lots going on, but thank you for continuing to take the time here and there so that we can catch up and hear your thoughts on all that is crazy in our world. Well, you're, you're most welcome, Laura Lynn. I so appreciate the stance that you've taken on this and what a beacon of light you've been over the last three Actually, it's almost four years now, I think, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> it seems hard to believe. It's really hard to believe. It's almost four years since this all started. And it, it's gone quite fast and a lot has happened. So thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you've done. And just to close up the whole Bonnie Henry chapter, I know that she's under fire right now. She's made comments recently because uh, she's under fire in Vancouver and some people are taking her to task. She's in court having to defend herself. And I, I think that's a really, a really good thing. And it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. You know, um, over time, we've had the opportunity to kind of discuss uh, sort of, um, you know, the evil that we have seen rise. And you've got some interesting perspectives on that. And as a person of faith, I know that we know where our hope is. But boy, are we ever in quite a crisis, quite a situation quite an era of history that we've never seen before. This really is an amazing time. Um, you know, for some people, it's a terrifying time. For some people, it's an exciting time. I think it, one could only see it as an exciting time if you have a strong faith in God. I, I do. And I believe that that is why initially when this whole pandemic broke, I was not fearful of the virus because I had read Psalm 139 and, and, Psalm, and, and Job chapter 16, both of which talk about the fact that God ordained the number of your days before you were born. So there is no virus or anything else that can change what God has ordained. So I don't live in fear because I know that not a molecule moves in the, anywhere in the universe unless God has given it permission to do so. And so... This is an amazing time. When I came to Canada in 1990, I came here um, actually as a draft dodger from the Angolan War um, because Canada seemed to me to be a land of freedom and a land of opportunity. And, and I've been horrified watching the change that has happened to this country where Canada now appears to be literally a world leader in this what appears to be literally a war against humanity on so many different levels. Uh, I mean, I was a bit shocked in 2005 when Canada legalized same-sex marriage. And, and that was just a stepping stone and a symptom. I mean, I, I realized at that time that Canada, the Canadian government using taxpayers' money was aborting 100,000 Canadian babies a year. and 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 that the Canadian people hadn't been able to produce enough offspring to even keep the population of Canada constant since 1972. So I realized that aborting all these Canadian babies um, was a tragedy because this country couldn't even sustain its own population. So it was bringing in immigrants like me, I was an immigrant um, from other countries 
But, but sadly, many of the immigrants that they were bringing in didn't come with the Judeo-Christian heritage. They came with a different worldview where they didn't necessarily have the same values as Canadians have traditionally have. And so Canadian culture was changing. And so when I say there's been a war against humanity, and I think Canada is really the tip of the spear in this, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, um, it, it, it's being fought in our schools through the SOGI curriculum. If you can persuade children who are extremely vulnerable to suggestion, who are extremely impressionable because they're just trying to figure everything out. If you can, if you can persuade them to want to be a different gender, they're never, and, and if you can get them to go through with that through injections or puberty blockers or anything else, they will never be able to reproduce. They will be left infertile which means that their genetic line ends on planet earth if you can persuade people to become same sex attracted they cannot reproduce it's biologically impossible for two people of the same gender to reproduce so they will have no family and no children unless they do it through adoption or through surrogate reproduction in some way because it it, it's imp it's biologically impossible and Some then of course call it eugenics you know like uh people that are are trying to you know show what's what's going on here um and and it truly is a tragedy it, it really is and and the fallout from this you know these children or people who have gone through what they call gender affirming therapies um eventually 10 years after they've gone through that gender affirming therapy the suicide rate is terrifying it, it's a study from uh from denmark showed that it is 20 times that of their peers once they're more than 10 years beyond their gender affirming therapy so thinking that this is helping these people is extremely misguided when these people realize that they're that they have irreversibly changed their body and there is no going back when they realize that that didn't make them feel um, affirmed and fulfilled and happy th that they still don't feel happy with their body they're 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 even more desperate than they were to start with because there's no going back and, and so this is just this is just absolutely tragic. You know, Canada has the most permissive abortion laws in the world. That, that a, a baby in Canada can legally be aborted right up to the day before the mother goes into labor. And, and there are only two other countries in the world have that, that have such permissive abortion laws, and they are communist China and North Korea. That is the company that Canada keeps when it with regard to abortion. But with euthanasia, you mentioned the word eugenics. There's no other word for this. Canada is now the world leader in euthanasia. Last year, Canada killed 13,200 people through what is now called medically assisted or medical assistance with dying, which is doctor assisted suicide. Doctors are never supposed to kill their patients. And, and, and that number is increasing by approximately 30% per year. So Canada is literally a world leader in abortion and euthanasia. And, and, and now in trying to confuse the gender of their children, all of this is a war against humanity. And then, of course, these gene therapy injections, you know, every, every highly vaccinated country across the world has plunging fertility rates and skyrocketing all-cause mortality rates. So these COVID vaccines were just another prong in this war against humanity, which is absolutely astonishing. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure many of your listeners are aware of the United Nations um, desire to reduce the population, which they stated very clearly in Agenda 21 and they've repeated it in Agenda 2030, that they would like the world's population reduced to 500 million, which means that seven out of eight people need to die. So, uh, uh, you know, part of it is 
killing people, but part of it is also stopping people from being able to reproduce. And the fact that they were so determined to vaccinate all of our children with these COVID shots, even though COVID posed almost zero risk to them, was highly suspicious. And it, 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 I found it tragic that most parents weren't able to see through that to protect their children. Mm. That there was absolutely no evidence to show that these this gene therapy would not irreversibly alter the fertility of their children. And yet they took their children off to get a vaccinated against a disease that posed no risk to them. So this is a an astonishing time, Laura Lynn, and it's almost hard to comprehend how people can have so little common sense. It really is. It really is. And you know, it's not just here in Canada, but uh, JT, if we could prepare, I wanted to get your feedback on uh, recently the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak um, is being uh, accused of lying in Parliament over the government's COVID response. And it seems like not only were we... Uh, you know, you know, did our government fail, but also many governments across the world failed. So we'll take a look at uh, this interesting, um, this interesting conversation that took place in the parliament. On Monday, the government's chief scientific advisor, Patrick Vallance, told the COVID inquiry that the now prime minister had not asked for advice regarding eat out to help out. But on the 9th of March, two years ago, the Prime Minister told this House that, and I quote, at all steps in the crisis, we have taken the advice of our scientific advisers. Oh. Who's right? Oh. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, as he knows, there is an ongoing statutory inquiry into COVID. It's absolutely right that that process is followed. I look forward to providing my own evidence in the coming weeks and addressing all these questions. But it was the case that the government took advice from scientific advisers. And again, that's exactly what this inquiry will go over. Eat out to help out. Do you agree that um, there wasn't a full or indeed perhaps any consultation with the CMO or DCMO or the OCMO over that scheme? Yes, my written statement makes clear there was no consultation. That we, just no consultation. On this one, neither Patrick nor I can call it, and I think we would have done it. Uh, and Mr Sunak says, throughout the period at which Eat Out to Help Out was in operation and immediately prior to its implementation, I don't recall any concerns about the scheme being expressed during ministerial discussions, including those attended uh, by the CMO and uh, no doubt he means the GCSA. That's you. Um, the, the, there's a, a certain inconsistency between um, your statement where you say that you think that it would have been apparent to everyone that you opposed it, and Mr Sunak's statement where he says that you never objected to it. Well, we didn't see it before it was announced. I think others in the Cabinet Office have also said they didn't see it before it was formulated as a policy, so we didn't, weren't involved in the run-up to it. What was the CTS view on the Eat Out to Help Out scheme? Uh, the Eat Out to Help Out scheme didn't come through me or the it was decided by the Prime Minister and the Chancellor, as far as I am aware. It was the case that the government took advice from scientific advisers, and again, that's exactly what this inquiry will go over. Okay, and, and we do have one more um, with respect to the Prime Minister Rishi. Uh, he's accused of saying to just let people die at the onset of the pandemic. Take a look. Prime Minister saying, yes, there will be more casualties, but so be it. And you've, you've put quotes, they've had a good innings. Um, we've seen other references of a similar nature. Was this something that the Prime Minister returned to from time to time, the idea that the, the casualties of, of, of any letting it rip would be older and perhaps special circumstances or that, 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 that they should, not so much concern should be had about casualties of that age? Is that really what he was trying to say? I think it's important to note that he might easily have said the following day, I want no deaths at all. Well, we'll come to that. Um, so, uh, I mean, yes, he, he, he must have said that on that day. DC, I'm looking at the last nine now, DC, Dominic Cummings says, Rishi thinks just let people die and that's okay. 
and then this feels like a complete lack of leadership. Is that your comment at the end there? Uh, yes, I think so. I mean, perhaps it's obvious. It's that, again, tell us, is this one of your late night um, furious thinking or do, is it something you, you would stand by now? Well, it, it must have felt like a complete lack of leadership on that day. And it, it, reading it, it feels like quite a shambolic day. Um, and to put things in context, that's Mr Cummings saying that that was um, <coughs> the thought that let's let people die. It's not necessarily, you didn't hear that from the um, Rishi Sunak himself. That is what Dominic Cummings said. Reported, yeah. yes. So this is the next day, the Monday. Uh, and as you say, Sir Patrick, it, it appears the Prime Minister, you've recorded in fact, he's in a different mood. Uh, terrible, terrible, terrible numbers. Um, says we need to do local lockdowns fast, foot to the throttle, accelerate. He's so inconsistent. So previous day, letting it rip. This day, something very different by the look of it. Yes. So a couple of things came to mind as I was kind of looking into uh, the UK. Just that, um, first of all, we wish we could have this kind of dialogue, uh, common sense sort of dialogue and questioning and calling to account some of the things said here, which we don't seem to be. It's all like, you know, smoke and mirrors. Um, or, you know, there has been some ac accounting in our Canadian Parliament um, in latter hindsight, but previously calling for more and more vaccines from all parties, basically. Um, but you, you do wonder whose side is everyone on when a Conservative government in the UK is uh, speaking like this? Yeah, one wonders. Um... Yeah, I mean, there just seems to be amazing inconsistency and, and confusion. And so one, in, in Canada, almost everything that the government and the health authorities told us didn't make sense. Uh, it were just massive inconsistencies. They, they told us that it was people's duty to get vaccinated because by being vaccinated, you can keep other people safe. Yet everyone knew that the vaccine didn't stop transmission, so none of it made sense. But yet they they forced people to have it in order to keep people safe when it couldn't keep people safe. So yet the yet, yet the in Canada, people don't seem to be able to have enough humility to sort of admit that they were wrong, that they were that that all the the hatred that they generated against the unvaxxed was absolutely indefensible because it had no basis in science and certainly had no basis in in any morality or any i mean it was it was it was senseless hatred just to create division it, it was it was extremely evil but one of the things that we always see about evil is that evil always dresses itself up as something good. So they dressed up their vaccine mandates as something good because they were going to keep people safe. Uh, and yet they were nothing but a pack of lies um, and couldn't keep people safe and instead caused enormous harm by for forcing millions of people to have these shots who didn't want them, who didn't need them and are now extremely harmed by them. Evil always dresses itself up as something good. And, and, and so they forced people to do things to keep them safe that were actually harming them, like masks, like lockdowns, like the isolating people in the, in the old age homes, like the COVID shots, and just on and on, just unbelievable lies, just constant lies. And so one of the things we do know is that the strongest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And, and that is a, a wonderful nugget to for anybody to remember in terms of trying to learn from life's lessons. The strongest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. When somebody has lied to you in the past, they will probably lie to you again. When somebody has deceived you in the past, they will probably deceive you again. Where somebody has used fraudulent science 
and and perverted medical care um, in the past, they will do it again. And so we desperately need some accountability and some transparency here in Canada. We're in deep trouble. We're in very, very deep trouble. You know, unfortunately, we have a nation of people whose moral compass has been very compromised. Once you take the word of God out of the schools, once you no longer teach children the Ten Commandments, you shall not lie, you shall not steal, you shall not harm others, honor your father and mother. Once you take that all out, their moral compass is lost. They, they, they then believe then that truth is relative. And of course, if truth, if truth is relative, then nothing's true. If everything's true, nothing's true. Education becomes meaningless if truth is relative because you can't grade an exam if there are no wrong answers. You know, if truth is relative, an exam literally becomes a survey of all equally correct answers. And, and all of education and academia becomes senseless. So we've, we've got a very confused government and nation and we need to plead to god to give us wisdom and how to maneuver and how to dig our way out of this quagmire because it's it's pretty desperate it is desperate and like the people that i talk to um dr hoff they are they're traumatized because they like you said if someone did it once they'll do it again what's to stop you know they've already hinted at this you know, a next pandemic or a, the next big virus that we have to worry about. You know, and Bill Gates and, and Melinda, they kind of joked on that one screen uh, that we've shown several times, but oh, well, you know, the next one will really get them. And Bill Gates now saying, well, if we'd have known that COVID was really going to be just a bad flu, uh, we might have done things differently. Well, all in hindsight, but really the science actually pointed to it very, very early on. And that means that we have a whole bunch of compromised people that might be doing very bad things because maybe they're getting kickbacks. Maybe somehow they're, you know, they're getting protected or, or funded in some way that we don't know. But obviously it doesn't make sense to us, you know, including Dr. Bonnie Henry, who continues to be a real thorn in our side here in British Columbia. Um, it's astounding her uh, Dr. Teresa Tam, um, just, you know, I was just outlining her advocating for these uh, shots to go to kids again. Um, you've you've got to be pure evil or pure stupid. Like, which one is it? It's, it's unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. And, but, yeah, I think... What what's almost more unbelievable is that anybody believes these people anymore. And but the trouble is, for as long as people keep watching CBC and CNN and all of these legacy media, they're going to continue to be deceived. Uh, that seems to be the problem: is that people don't they they never get the full story they never get the full picture and as a result they sometimes can't see the inconsistencies because they're never getting the full story so one can only hope i, I saw a survey just a week ago that that said that 54 percent of canadians no longer trust the legacy media that, that was a very encouraging statistic right it, it, it needs to be 94 percent. yeah i, I yeah. think it really need, needs to be higher I mean, the fact that half the, you know, just it, it's still half the people still believe them is disturbing because, all, as I said, almost nothing they say is true. And well, it's all, well, it's not that nothing is true. It's all filled with half truths and, and a half truth is a lie. So, it, you know, it's when they just give you a little bit of information so that you end up with the wrong conclusion that you're, that you're deceived. Wow, so, that's so I don't good. know. We, yeah, I don't know how we persuade. I don't know how we persuade people to to start thinking for themselves and to start looking elsewhere for the information. Uh, it's a it's a difficult task, and of course, with Trudeau's 
uh, on you know their sense you know the, the internet censorship bills and all of that sort of thing that's part of deceiving people if people can't see the purpose of that which is to make sure that people don't get all the information that speaks for itself mm -hmm. Well, even in, uh, you know, the Alberta premier, Danielle Smith, I think we have a short clip where she's calling out the federal government uh, as being lawless. And this, you know, the word of God that you and I esteem very highly uh, talks about a lawless generation. So take a look. They've had a Supreme Court loss now that says that they cannot use their federal power as a pretext to invade provincial jurisdiction. And they're acting like that Supreme Court case didn't happen. They had another loss on the issue of plastics, which was also an unconstitutional overreach and unreasonable. And instead of accepting the court's judgment, they're going to drag it out again. So we've got a lawless federal government. And when you have a lawless federal government, then you've got to assert that the Constitution matters. We've got the Supreme Court behind us. We're continuing to press that matter. They haven't dropped it yet. Uh, but I can tell you, we are, are just like um, uh, Premier Mo, getting increasingly frustrated. I hope that there are um, premiers that rise across the country to call out the federal government. But then we also see that um, in in Alberta. So I, I love Danielle Smith, but I would want to ask why um, if she's so knowledgeable and she's a very bright lady. She probably knows all about some of the things that are really bad that, you know, that she would be even stronger, that she would take on this vaccine um, issue uh, the shots that they are still perpetrating and want to to give to kids, even in her own province. Um, you know, why isn't this, um, you know, more outed? But I appreciate that she's calling out the federal government and plastics. We all need to just go back to plastic straws because I'm sick of getting little bits of stuff off the cardboard ones, you know, in my mouth. It's just so annoying. Like, it's so bizarre that... Uh, that you know something so small has become such a big issue but but our government is very corrupt and we've seen Justin Trudeau uh become j just unbelievably bold in his his lies uh his acting ability and our you know the the corruption that we see in the federal government it's it's astounding and it just goes on and on without any accountability Yeah, I don't know how one achieves accountability. I mean, I, well, I suppose all we can do is wait for an election and pray that that God intervenes and and um, gets rid of the, these corrupt people. But you know, in in a sad way, I, I sometimes feel as though Justin Trudeau is God's judgment on Canada, because. As much as I love Canada, Canada as a nation has to some degree shaken its fist at God uh, by by taking God's law, you know, God's law out of the schools by no longer teaching that morality that comes only from God in the schools, from taking it out of the law courts. Um, the, the, the nation has willingly abandoned its moral foundation. And it is now paying the price. And 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 Justin Trudeau seems to be the the sort of logical thing you're left with um, when you take away your moral foundation. And unfortunately, people who have no moral foundation are very easily led astray and are very easily um, deceived because they have no moral foundation. They don't know right from wrong. And and so we're we're sort of at the mercy of God here where we desperately need to be on our knees and praying for God's mercy to give this country another chance. Mm, I like that. And I think that it is bringing about uh, more of that positioning. Um, you know, it's interesting how when you go through a trial or you're under persecution, that there's something that does inspire the human heart to get right with God and to see it. I, I think what you said was so powerful about Justin Trudeau potentially being the judgment of God. I think about how Justin Trudeau came to us. Justin Trudeau came to us on the heels of a conservative government that had a majority who did nothing for the unborn. 
Justin Trudeau came to us on the heels of a government, conservative government under Stephen Harper, that uh, basically ushered in uh, the, um, you know, gay marriage and the things that you spoke of earlier. Um, a government that, you know, really did nothing to just honor God's laws in spite of the fact that they pretty much claimed to be Christian and pretty much claimed to be of true conservative values, but did not, they only paid lip service and did nothing for us. And when you say the judgment of God, I, I believe that. And so now it behooves all of us to, to consider what is our position in Canada? What will bring back the favor of God? And is it yet another government that will not stand for the unborn? Is it yet another government that doesn't um, honor immigration, actually? Is it God's idea that we should open our world to all these woke agendas and our schools, you know, teaching our children nonsense, sexualizing the kids? Like, um, what will bring back the favor of God? And how do we get everyone awakened enough to get there? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, this is, this is such a massive problem that is, it, it's global, it's personal, it's national, it's a problem on absolutely every level. But, you know, if the problem is sin, then the solution is, is Christ. Um, because, you know, people can't change unless God transforms them. Teaching people moralisms doesn't make them good people. It just makes them Pharisees. Uh, you, you, people need to literally be transformed, and, and only God can do that. And so, and that only comes through repentance. This nation needs to repent, and we all, every single one of us, needs to repent and, and beg for God's mercy nationally and for our city and for our family and for our leaders i i pray for justin trudeau almost every single day that god would have mercy on him because i feel desperately sorry for him you know i pray for christ, him to be removed but i am praying <laughs> you know yeah. you know christ christ gave some amazing teachings but one of his most scary Things. He said, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks will come, but woe to the one through whom they come. Mm. If anyone causes one of the little ones to stumble, it is better for him that a, would be better for him that a millstone would be tied around his neck and ca be cast into the deepest ocean. So all of these people that have caused our children to stumble by gender confusion or trying to make, you know, get them to try and experiment with same-sex attraction or dishonoring their parents or all of that anybody that has encouraged that is under the judgment of god because of what that millstone warning from the lips of christ himself so so that's justin trudeau and all of his cronies they're all in the millstone warning because they have caused our little ones to stumble Wow. And, 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 and it, this, is, this is serious stuff. It is serious stuff. Such a somber issue. And, and Charles, your words are so profound. And I don't, I don't know what to make of um, the church's position in all of this because the church should be representing the heart of God. The church should re be representing the salt and light in a culture. Um, and as uh, this book, Letter to the American Church, which I have uh, seen, it, it stands also would be well said a letter to the church in the whole world, which would be the Canadian church as well. Eric Metaxas continues to push people back to the fact that like one of the things that he outlines um, is that the like in Germany in 1933 and in that era, they wanted the separation of church and state so that the church could not interfere in um, what was going on. And it says here, um, before the Nazis could murder the actual Christian church, the aforementioned Christian leaders in 1934 drafted and published 
what has come to be called the Barman Declaration. It essentially said that the German state must not and could not co-opt the church, that the sanctity and separation of the church from the state must be clear. All who signed this document were known as the, it says something like Bekenende Kirsch or Confessing Church, and they declared it to be the true church in Germany, free from Nazi interference and submitted only to God. But what is shocking to us today is that most pastors in Germany were not willing to sign it. Either they were not thinking clearly on the subject at hand, and as a result were not thinking biblically, or perhaps they were thinking clearly enough, but they simply did not have the courage to act on what they knew to be true. Perhaps they, like so many in the American and I'll say Canadian church today, thought it's safer to sit on the sidelines and do nothing to see which way the wind was blowing, so to speak. And I have to say that when we have churches that are now supporting the gender movement, when we have churches that are now, you know, um, very lenient with respect to standing for what God said gender was, which was Adam and Eve, and not all of this other agenda stuff thrown in. When God uh, stood for sexuality being uh, between uh, a married man and a married woman, like our, our whole world, all of these concepts, even the church, now I'm not just talking about your average person, but the church especially, it seems very difficult to actually preach the word of God and to stand by biblical principles, to, to even, they, they have bought into the church being separate from the state, which I think really, that was put into place actually, so that the state would not interfere with the church, but that the church would always have their, their, um, their salt and their light put into, and, and to help government govern according to principles, Judeo-Christian values. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, so my understanding of the the importance of the separation of church and state is that it is never the place of the government to to regulate Christian worship, and and it is never the place of the government to tell Christians whether or not they can go to church, and if so, whether or not they have to be vaccinated, and how far apart they have to sit, and and whether or not they got to wear masks, and whether or not they can sing, and all of these things. It, it, that that is that is the importance of the separation of church and state. That Christ is the head of the church, not Justin Trudeau or any government organization, and and only Almighty God can tell Christians how to worship, when to worship, and 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 who's there. Um, and just in the same ways, it's not really the place of the church to tell the government how to run the economy. The church is supposed to be the moral watchdog, is supposed to be the salt and light that that holds the government, that holds its church members, that holds everybody accountable to the moral principles of God's law. That that is it. It simply ends there. That that the church is the moral watchdog. And, and the the conscience of the nation. So it has to be separate from the state so that it doesn't get embroiled in the politics. It literally just has to be the moral watchdog. Just as a, a pastor, I don't think can tell people who to vote for, um, but he can set out the moral principles that should guide how you think about who you should vote for. But, but yes. That separation of, of church and state is, is very important because they, they, neither has jurisdiction over the other. And, you know, uh, the churches could do so much more, actually, like they could present all platforms, right? They could say yes. this party uh, is, uh, you know, will, will basically is totally pro-abortion. This party is not going to tackle it. Uh, this party stands for such and such. This party wants, um, you know, life protected from birth, which would be the Christian Heritage Party. Um, you know, a party like um, the People's Party of Canada, they would want laws to be put in place for the protection, something, you know, of, of 
late-term abortion or whatever, that there would be some protections and that we would have the debate, that we would have the open debate and that it would be something brought to the people because most people actually in Canada don't think that late-term abortion should be legal. That there's, there's polls that have suggested that fact. So churches could actually explain, well, this is the, you know, this is the policy on um, immigration by this group, by this group, by this group. Don't, you, don't, you don't tell people who to vote for, but you inform. And what other group meets every single week? And by the way, I mean, sometimes I think the liberals are really losing the Sikhs and the Muslims over all the gender stuff. I think they're turning away from Trudeau in, in droves, which is pretty hysterical because they like to get all of the, the, you know, they open immigration wide so that they can get the immigration vote. But now... The, the immigrants have come and they're like, no, we actually don't believe in any of that nonsense. And we're pretty disgusted that we've come to Canada and they're teaching kids this, right? So there's this big, you know, there's this big fight going on and I actually think it's fun to watch. Um, but, but what I do think is that the church has every right to hope and insist and stand for the righteousness that God wants in a nation. Yes. Yeah, ab absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, the church has an incredibly important role uh, in in being salt and light. You know, you don't need very much light to, to sweep away darkness, and you don't need very much salt to completely change the flavor of, of a meal or of your cooking. You need very little. But it, without it, uh, you know, if you've ever had rice or oatmeal with no salt or even a loaf of bread it tastes completely different it tastes tasteless but you you don't need much but you need some and it makes all the difference and that is the role of the church dr charles hoff you're amazing um canada loves you we celebrate you i hope you know that so many people praying for you uh so many people standing and grateful uh for what you've done for us you were one of the very first to speak out and quite specifically against the, the British Columbia um, narrative. And you got in so much hot water over all of that. You paid a very high price for it. And yet here you are, you're standing, you're strong. And so we all just commit to saying a prayer for you that whatever, you know, attacks, whatever assaults, whatever darts are sent your way, that God will be your shield, your buckler. He'll, he'll go before you. He'll be your rear guard and your foreguard, and you will be protected. Thank you for all that you've done, sir. Well, thank you so much, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for the privilege for being on your show. You are so welcome. It's my privilege. Thank you, Dr. Ha. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, absolutely incredible person. And where would we be without all of those who stood for us this last little bit. My website is lauralyn.tv. Thank you very much for following. Thanks for just spending your day, getting your coffee, joining us. Uh, you can see on screen there, <laughs> we recently had one of the, the January 6th. Um, he, he went to prison. So I hope that you caught that. If you did not see our interview with this young man earlier, uh, um, you just really need to see it because uh, wow, what a powerful, powerful statement he had to make about what, what it was like to be in solitary confinement for eight days. And, you know, eight days, I mean, think about Pastor Archer Pavlovsky. I think, wasn't it 50 days or something? It was crazy. He was in, he was in solitary confinement for so long. But anyways, if you, if you like what you hear here, it's not regular. It's not what you hear everywhere else. Uh, we don't do We don't do news by talking points. We don't get sort of, you know, that facts. Uh, we don't get the email that says, this is how you're going to describe the news. So have you ever seen that video where every single media news outlet is saying the same words using the exact same phrase and they're saying it hundreds of thousands of times, everybody's saying it at the same time. It's hysterical. And we don't do that because we just, we assess what is happening and then we bring you um, with all integrity what we think that you need to hear about. And we pray that your heart is drawn, most importantly to God, that you are looking into the word for your answers because we're certainly not going to get it from this world and that you 
that you're standing strong and that you feel encouraged whenever you tune in. So go to our website. If you're able to support us, we also, we do snail mail, box 48184 in, um, where is that JT? In New Westminster, I think, um, V3M0A7. And also I do have an email. If you'd like to write me at laurelynlive at protonmail.com, we accept e-transfers. If that is a, an easy way to share with us and remember, that we are a charitable organization, so we have, uh, we're able to give you income tax receipts for your support of this work, uh, for the support of the, um, the meetings that we have, the church services we have, the conferences that we have, always wherein the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is lifted up because we think he's the only answer. So if you're trying to think of where to donate your final do dollars uh, this year, would you consider us for a donation? We love it. It helps us to keep the lights on and to stand strong. We appreciate that very, very much. We also um, have been speaking to everybody about your funds and your finances, and we hope that you'll take the advice of uh, Steve. And um, his address is sovereignize at protonmail.com. Um, he's been in the business selling gold and silver. Gold and silver is due for a real hike. And the day that that happens is going to be the day, especially when we see that the, the exposure of the fiat currency, which is literally such a lie. I mean, you can't keep printing money and, and, and assuming that it's always going to have real intrinsic value. Loans get called. People get in trouble for fraud. And so... We, we know that our dollar has not been backed by gold for an awful long time, and it's a complete fallacy. And so people in the know are saying, guard yourself, invest in real estate, invest in silver and gold so that at least you've got something for your funds because on a day that it crashes, it's too late. You won't be able to get anything back. Thank you so much. I want to leave you with this scripture. I thank you. I, I just appreciate... Um, that very humble and gentle way that Dr. Charles Hoff is able to present the, the incredible message that it's only through Jesus that we're gonna get through anything. It's only through the power of the living God that we're gonna be able to overcome because things are bad. And the Bible says wide is the path to destruction and narrow is the gate to the Lord. So, you know that guy Paul in the Bible? Such a, a very controversial figure in a way. He said some things, you know, that are controversial that Christians fight over so much, but he wrote most of the Old Testament. And yet he did remain a humble man, um, honest about his foibles, because he'd actually killed Christians. He found out he was a Pharisee and he found out that people were believing in this, this dude, Jesus, that Jesus was this Messiah. And he didn't believe that at all. No, he was, he was a Jew and he was trained in his Pharisaical ways. And he had probably uh, memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. Am I saying that right? And, and so he, he had his ways of believing and to them, Jesus was not the fulfillment. Even though so many scriptures in the Bible showed how the Messiah would come, the Jews did not receive him. And thankfully the Bible says they will one day get an opportunity for that. But in 1 Corinthians 15 verse nine, Paul says this, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. You know why I love that? Because it's about each of us. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Can you look back in your life and go, you know what, I'm the least, I did this. I was a drug addict. I was a philanderer. I was a drunkard. 
You know, I, 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 I stole stuff. I lied. I committed fraud. I was a harlot. I acted terribly. Can, can you all look back and go, I've had this past. And sometimes, you know what the enemy is? He is the accuser of the brethren. He loves to remind you about everything you've done wrong. He loves to bring up your sin in front of you. So Paul kind of did this in light of the fact that he was a, a murdering Christian basher. He did something and apparently was totally okay. I mean, he never really got in trouble for murdering Christians. The only thing Paul ended up going to prison for was talking about Jesus. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't really that bad that he went around killing, you know, other people or, or kind of being a part of the conspiracy to kill the Christians. That's not what got him in trouble, but he was so honest in being able to say he put the devil kind of back on his heels. Have you ever done that? Yes, I was those things. I was a liar. I was a deceiver, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. His grace changes everything. God bless. See you soon. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.